I used this portion of scripture when I spoke to the young people at David and Deanne's last week, and I've kind of taken some of those thoughts and expanded on them to uh, share some things here tonight. But let's read Psalm 11 to begin with. In the Lord I take refuge. Now this is a Psalm of David, so it's speaking David saying this. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your, to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in the darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. And the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Obviously, David was writing this psalm in some type of a bad situation. Uh, some commentators think it had to do with when Saul was chasing him, um, trying to hunt him down. Others think it could have been written when Absalom, his own son, was trying to take the kingdom away from him. So whatever the bad situation was, it appears that his advisors or his counselors were saying, you better get out of here. You see that in verse 1. He takes it, David says, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? And then they explain why they would tell him to do that. Because the wicked have bent their bow, they've made ready their arrows, they're ready to shoot at the upright in heart. And then they say this amazing thing. If the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? It's like, what can we do? We better, we're just going to have to flee. They, uh, but David didn't take that position. His answer to uh, his advisors is this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. <clears throat> He's watching over this. He knows what's going on. And righteousness will prevail is basically the answer and especially verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. In other words, fleeing is not the answer. Resting in God, trusting in God is the answer. <clears throat> but uh, I want to zero in on this little phrase. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I think it should be obvious to us all that it, we're watching our culture crumble around us. Uh, and this question could easily come to mind. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, like I say, we, we see almost every day some other aspect of the culture that we've known here in America, crumbling uh, quickly before our eyes. 
if you really want to destroy something, a, a building for instance, you destroy its foundation and the rest will follow. And our culture is collapsing because the foundations are being destroyed. Now I'm not unique in pointing that out. You can look this verse up on the internet and you'll find many aspects of people <clears throat> trying to point out the foundations that are being destroyed. It's, it's a, a verse that's often preached on and presented. And many things are, are used as foundation, uh, foundational things that are being destroyed. For instance, things like marriage and the family and good government based on the rule of law, uh, the erosion of the sanctity of life. I mean, all these are true. Uh, even the destruction of something so basic as the proper understanding of gender distinctions. In fact, when I gave this uh, <clears throat> message to the young people last week, I used just one of the current things that had just happened within that, with just a couple days before uh, I spoke to them, and that was the fact that the Senate had just voted to uh, make the uh, to reg make it so that 18-year-old women needed to register for the draft. Now that would be something unheard of uh, just 30 years ago that women needed to register for the draft. Uh, that followed uh, a ruling not that long ago that uh, made it so that women could take part in combat, uh, any combat missions. So this, to some people, this was a great uh, victory for gender equality. But I think most Christians would say this is a very sad day uh, when we start drafting women and sending them into combat. Now, it's not a law yet because that, the, the Senate has voted on it. it. It was an overwhelming vote, 85 to 13. 85 to 13, that means a lot of so-called conservatives voted this uh, for drafting women. And it yet ha it has to pass the House, so we could pray that that wouldn't be the case. But I, that's just uh, one example amongst many of uh, things that people would point to as the foundations uh, being destroyed. But I want to take this verse in an even deeper sense than that. The reason individual institutions in our society and cultural norms that have been important to society for centuries are being destroyed is because of a radical undermining of the basic worldview that has influenced our society in the past. Now, I want to read something from Francis Schaeffer. Uh, he said this years ago. He said, The basic problem of the Christians in this country in the last 80 years or so in regard to society and in regard to government, is that they have seen things in bits and pieces instead of the totals. Christians have very gradually been disturbed over the permissiveness of society, pornography, the public schools, the breakdown of the family, and, and abortion. But they have not seen this as a totality, each thing being a part, a symptom of a much larger problem. They have failed to see that all this has come about due to the shift in the worldview, that is, through a fundamental change 
in the overall way people think and view the world and life as a whole. He said there's been a tremendous change, a shift in the basic worldview of many people in our society. And that's why these other things come about, you see. We tend to look at the thing in itself, and, and Schaefer's saying, no, you've got to go deeper and see why this, this happened, what, what was going on here. So what are the foundational or the fundamental changes in the overall way people think and view life? What are the foundations, the real deep foundations that are being destroyed? Well, I want to consider four major shifts in people's worldviews, four, four foundations, you might say, four foundations. Actually, there's one great foundation that leads to three other major foundational shifts which are causing the collapse of our culture as we've known it. By far, the greatest foundation that's being destroyed is any sense of the fear of God in people's lives. Instead of the final reality, the ultimate reality, being the infinite creator God, people now live their lives on the basis of the natural realm being all there is. This was not the worldview that our nation was founded upon, the natural realm being all there is. This is what's being taught constantly, what's being programmed in the people's minds, what's being presented in the schools or indoctrinated, you might say. But that was not the basis, not the worldview on which our nation was founded. The founders held that there was a creator and that people were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Totally different worldview, you see. They would have never taken the position that the final reality is only matter or energy shaped by pure chance. They may not have been Christians. A lot of them weren't Christians as we understand what a Christian is. But they would never have taken the position that nature is all there is. And that matter and energy just um, going on by pure chance is what's brought everything about. But today people are indoctrinated basically from infancy by the educational system and the media that somehow blind chance has produced the universe and brought about human life. If you take that position, if that's the foundation that you're working on, then other things will inevitable, inevitably follow. It's just like uh, night follows day. This is going to happen once you've taken that position. First, you have the destruction of personal, personal accountability before God. If God's not there, then there's no accountability. If there's no God, there's no ultimate accountability for our actions. Many people today have embraced the idea that anything I do that somebody might even think is wrong actually is somebody else's fault. And there's no final accountability for anybody. People don't, don't take responsibility for their actions because there's no one to be ultimately accountable to. There's no fear of God. There's no one to ultimately be accountable to. <clears throat> now, I'm saying that's different than it was. I'm not, I'm not saying that people who founded this nation 
and even the general population at that time were predominantly true Christians, but they had a basic worldview that there was a God to whom they were accountable. For instance, let me just give you one example of what I'm talking about here. Someone like Thomas Jefferson certainly was not an evangelical Christian, but he had a sense of being accountable to God. That makes a lot of difference. Here's a quote that's inscribed in the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. This is something Jefferson said. God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are a gift from God? How can you have liberties secure if you don't view them as coming from God? He said... Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. I tremble, he says. See, there's an there's a underlying fear of God. He, he was not a Bible believer. In fact, he was a Bible cutter-upper. He, he, he cut out the sections he didn't like. But even with that, there was some sense of the fear of God that God's there and I'm going to be accountable So, a great foundation for proper living is destroyed when a basic accountability to God is no longer present among the people. And there will be no accountability where there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God if people are taught that there's no God to fear. If nature is all there is, then there's no higher authority than man-made opinion, which can change every day so there's no real accountability this leads to the destruction of another foundation the foundation of objective morality and truth very basic foundation that there's actually objective morality not just what I think but there's something that's really right and wrong and objective truth I would add to that There can be no objective morality or truth apart from God. If final reality is the random interaction of molecules, then final reality is silent about morality and truth. Molecules and atoms and energy and motion have nothing to tell us about morality and truth. If that's the final reality, just matter in motion, then there is no such thing as morality. And there is no such thing as objective truth. Any value system must come about in that kind of a system only from arbitrary decisions by man himself, which means that these things can change constantly. If there's no objective morality, then everybody does what's right in their own eyes. They just do what they want to do, what they feel like at the time. When there's no fear of God, the result will be a widespread teaching of moral relativism, and that's what we have, moral relativism, the idea that there are no absolutes. This makes it so that people can call evil good and good evil. Now, that's not new. Isaiah was talking about that thousands of years ago. You can see that in... Well, I'll just turn to it real quick. Isaiah 5.20 says this. 
Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. This is where we are, you see. Every day, people are calling evil good and calling good evil. You take a stand for good, goodness and righteousness, you'll be called a bigot. You'll be called evil. You'll be called hateful. This is exactly where we are. We're living in a day when goodness is mocked and evil is exalted. Along with this, evil is made to look good. It's something that uh, the movies and television say that we should be amused at. You're taught to laugh at things you should be crying about. Well, as bad as denying moral absolutes is, I think denying that there is an absolute truth is even more destructive. If there's no absolute truth and everything is subjective and relative in terms of truth, then it's no wonder that things like gender distinctions between male and female are being eradicated. Now just think about this a little bit. Today we're in a situation where a man can say he's a woman and a woman can say she's a man because those gender distinctions only matter when you think it's true that there's true truth, that, that there's actually objective truth. Otherwise, who's to say if you're a male or female? There's no stopping point in terms of doing away with distinctions. In any, in any area, now we're not talking about the gender distinction, but you, in any, if there's no absolute, absolute truth, there's no distinctions that can be made. I can say I'm a female one day and a male the next. One day I might be both. I can even consider myself part human and part porpoise if there's no absolute truth, you see. This is what, I mean, this is an extreme of what Paul's talking about in, in Romans chapter 1. He says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things that are not proper. If you won't acknowledge God, if you won't acknowledge you're, you're accountable to God, if you won't acknowledge that he's the source of truth and righteousness and morality, God's just going to give you over to a depraved mind and you'll be thinking things that are absolutely... I, foolish isn't a strong enough word. Absurd. Absurd things. And that's what we're hearing today in our culture. Absolutely absurd things are being presented as the norm. And we're supposed to go along with it. 
The last foundation that I would mention, which is being destroyed, is the foundation of any ultimate meaning or purpose in life. If we're here by chance because some molecules happen to get together in a certain way, then there's really no meaning or purpose to life. You can't get any purpose or meaning out of a chance conglomeration of molecules. It's a very simple equation, actually, and here it is. No God, no meaning. No God equals no meaning. That's where the materialistic worldview logically takes society, and that's where we are. That's where we are. At least very close as a whole society into that kind of a, a mindset. So there you have these four foundations that are being destroyed. The fear of God, no accountability to him, no ultimate morality or truth, and no final meaning and purpose to life. When these foundations are destroyed, it's no wonder that the basic structures that God has ordained to give order to society, things like marriage and family and good government and proper gender distinctions are falling apart. If you take those foundations out from under, there's nothing to build on. You can't build marriage and family and good government and understanding gender properly without those foundations. So in a situation where the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That was the question that was asked David in his day. What can the righteous do? Well, we can do what David did. That's <laughs> he says the Lord is in his holy temple. You can destroy a lot of stuff on earth, but you're not affecting God. We can yet stand on those foundations that God has placed for us in our individual lives. That's the first thing. We just take our stand. In fact, he starts the psalm out that way. In the Lord, I take refuge. That's where, I mean, he's just, that's he said, I'm standing right there. He's my rock. I will not be shaken. I've taken my refuge in him. So we can do what David did, stand on the foundations that God has given us. We can demonstrate those foundations through our lives, how we live. We can show the world what it means to stand on the right foundation because the foundation that they're standing on is not going to work. It's not God's foundation. It's not going to fit the real world. So we can demonstrate these foundations through how we live our lives and we can seek to uphold them in society. Well, it's going to get harder and harder as more of the foundations in society are destroyed and we try to uphold them. It's not going to be easy. And that's one, one of the things I was trying to point out to the, to the young people there the other night. But I didn't want it to be a discouraging thing. And it shouldn't be a discouraging thing. We can also remember that we have the great privilege and responsibility of telling a lost and dying world about Christ, the true foundation of all accountability and morality and truth and meaning. <clears throat> we have the answer to this thing. 
the loss of these foundations is actually devastating to human experience. And some people are going to realize that. There will be people who sense this and long for hope and help in the midst of things crumbling all around them and their own lives crumbling. It's still true, no matter what, how much sinful people try to suppress it, that God has set eternity in our hearts. And if, if they get quiet enough in the midst of everything getting shooken all, shaken up all around them, they'll sense that. There's more, there's more, there's got to be more. There's got to be some meaning to my life. <clears throat> some will be crying out in their hearts. Is there no foundation, no ultimate meaning, no final purpose to my life? Well, we can, we can be there. Our lives can be a testimony and our words tell them, yes, there is. There is meaning. There is purpose. We have the foundation that you need because of Christ. We can stand up on the sure foundation that there is a just and holy God who loves righteousness and hates iniquity. That's what David goes on to say in this psalm here. He tests the hearts of the righteous and the wicked. The ones who love violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone, he's saying there is... There is going to be a reckoning for all this. It's not just everything uh, that uh, happens just happens. No, it doesn't. There's a purpose and a meaning in God's directing things. So, we have a foundation. We have the foundation. This is where David stood when those, those people asked him in his day, what shall the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? <clears throat> God's people are looking forward to a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. They know that God has prepared a city for them. I mean, we, we're just set. We're settled in that. I, it doesn't matter if everything shakes down all around us. As David affirmed at the end of this psalm, the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Another thing I would say is we do not know what God might yet do in America. There's been societies, England for one, where the foundations were shaken and yet God brought revival, turned things around. God could yet send revival, and the people might again build on the right foundation. We can pray for that, plead to God that that might be the case. But even if that's not the case, we know we have a better country, a heavenly one. So let me just quote this verse out of Hebrews. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken because it's on a firm foundation, let us show gratitude by which we may offer God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Serve Him. Love Him. 
praise him in the midst of all this chaos all around us and the crumbling of society. Keep on praising God. Keep on worshiping God. <clears throat> Offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consumer fi- consuming fire. So I would say in closing, may we as God's people demonstrate a true and proper fear of God in all that flows from that firm foundation in our lives, just a, a proper awe for our God in the midst of all this other uh, confusion will be the place where we stand and it will show people that there is a foundation. There's something there even as society crumbles. So if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, they can do what they've always done. Trust God. Press on and realize that uh, God is still on the throne. God is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven.